Hello, my name is Felipe. And I'm Lillian. And we are the Postmodern Family, and this is episode eight of the Postmod Pod. Welcome. That's right. This is the Postmodern Family 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 Podcast. The Postmodern Family. And we talk about current affairs. We like to um, start with an icebreaker. Did you have that pulled up? We like to make sense of current events. Let's see here. Icebreakers. Let's see here. Icebreaker question. I feel like I sound distant. Do I sound distant to you? Um, Do I sound far away? Like I hear a big echo. Is that normal? I don't hear an echo. Okay. Okay, so let's see here. Um, If you were a potato, what way would you like to be cooked? (laughs) (laughs) Pass. Boring. Okay. Have you ever been mistaken for someone famous? Let's see. Yes, Lillian from the Postmodern Family. <laughs> <laughs> we have been spotted before, but that's not mistaken, is it? Um, I, I've been told that I look like Mulan, but clearly that's not being Mulan, mistaken for someone. the cartoon. <laughs> yeah, you, people say I look like Mulan. You come out of the cartoon. <laughs> what people don't realize is Mulan passed off for a man for 10 years, so she probably they wasn't much of a looker. That. They don't realize that. Um, no. Sorry, they just know Mulan, the Disney princess. It's the hidden history available only to mainland CCP China, Chinese people. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you rights. have, right? You've been told you look like, um, what's his name? From that 70s show. Emi- em- no, not Emilio. Um... um Fuzz, Fuzz. Fuzz from that show. What's the actor's name? Emilio Estevez. No, that's not him. I don't know what his name is. What's his name? I just thought about it the other day because I don't know. Someone else had commented again. They think that you look like him. A better, more mature, higher stature. Do you think you look like him? I think in some pictures I do look like him. Really? Yeah. I never made the connection. In some angles. So keep us updated on the footy, guys, as we do this podcast. Oh, is that why no one's joining us? How many have joined us? 19. That's that's a lot. Thanks so much for joining us instead of watching the football. I think they're doing both. Okay. <laughs> why not <laughs> Phone, both? Phone, TV. Why not? Why not both? Okay, so now that we've got that icebreaker out of the way, why don't we put a better question? Who would you like to have been mistaken for. Hmm. Who would like you... realistically though? Yeah, right? realistically. Like, you oh, can't say, oh, I look like man. Frank Sinatra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that my father would have would ex- he thought he looked like Choyan Fat. We're not talking about your father. We're so he often about talked about you having similar Who would height you and stuff. Like to have been mistaken for. I don't know. There's no, there's not really any Chinese singers and actresses that I. Lucy Liu, the most beautiful Asian woman in TV. Did you guys know that according to Chinese standards, she's not very beautiful? Um, But that's Chinese standards. So, Western standards, it could be. Why are you trying to keep shade? Anyway, what I'm saying, why don't you answer the question that you want to ask (laughs) yourself? I will, because I had someone exactly in mind. Okay. It is the the actor or the character in that motorcycle policeman show where there's two motorcycle policemen and one is kind of dark looking. Okay. Um, Starsky and Hutch, I think, is it? No, 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 no. Let's see, motor policeman. Vince Vaughn. Cycle. No, 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 no. It's oh. an old show. Motorcycle oh. policeman show. Um, it's called Chips. Sorry, it's called Chips. I've never heard of the show. Um, and Ponch. Okay. Ponch. I don't here, even know. here. I'll show, show you a picture. Show me a picture. I'll show you a picture. 
This is a weird I'll question. I'll show you a picture. I would have loved to have been a mista mistaken for... There. The guy with black hair. Okay, I could see possibly... That's right, baby. ...being mistaken for him. That's yeah, it. I can see that. That's it right there. Who do I think I look like might be a different question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I can't In your it. dreams, Phil, says Dave Bowling. Come on. Okay. So let's get started. Why don't you get started with your two lead stories? Then? Sure. Two. I mean, mine mine are kind of deep. They go down the rabbit hole. Oh, no. Wait like for always. Listen to this. So um, let's just go straight to what I've got instead of talking to you about it. Number one, I have a video here and then I have an article about the same topic. So which one do you want to hear first? Or Whatever. Okay, let's, let's listen to the recording, this video of Boris Johnson warning us of, quote, extra precautions even after July 19. So he's um, being, this is the Times. They have a video of him talking and I'm going to try and play it for you guys. I oh, remember that it's super loud. Is it? Usually it busts my ear. Okay, here we go. Listen to this. <laughs> I'm very confident that the uh, the double jabs uh, will be a, a liberator, uh, and they will enable uh, people to uh, to travel. Uh, we'll be sending out a, a lot more about the detail of that in, in the course of, of July, in the, in the course of the next uh, few days, about how we see it working. But there's no doubt at all that once you've got two jabs, uh, you are uh, in a in a much better position. Obviously, as, as everybody can see we'll, we'll be going forward in the autumn uh, with an extra vaccination program, a booster program uh, for, for the more vulnerable, just to give us that extra insulation, that extra security that we need. But certainly, to answer your, your point, everybody who's frustrated about uh, travel over the summer, uh, a double jabs will be a liberator. But I want to repeat a point that I've made before, and I hope people will forgive me if I say that um, I do want Obviously, I want travel to be to be possible, but I've got to stress that you know this year will not be like every other year because of the difficulties with COVID. You know, people shouldn't expect that it will be uh, completely hassle-free. We have to look very carefully. At so, um, first of all, it just explained to me, and I have some videos of this before, but why the Nissan manufacturing? warehouse why is he in front of it yeah like it seems like a yearly visit is that right like every year they go visit and then i think he's paying he's, he's paying he's, he's delivering his his yearly offering to the gods of nissan okay uh, for for to be being thankful <laughs> being thankful for for the, the, the them uh, 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 establishing that plant in the Great British Isles. Okay, interesting. Uh, so now I'm going to read you a little bit of this Sky News clip um, article called COVID-19, quote, extra precautions. Wait, wait, that, was that, were we going to comment no, about that? Yeah, so this is the story, like this fills out a little bit more context of what okay. he was saying. Okay, okay. Um, it says, may stay in place after Freedom Day and double jabs a, quote, liberator for travel, says Boris Johnson. Sounds like a World War II bomber. The liberator. The liberator. <laughs> the, the double jab is the liberator. So the Prime Minister said details of the government's plans for both allowing those who have received two vaccine doses to visit amberless countries without having to quarantine on their return and lockdown easing after this month will be revealed in the next few days. The PM would not confirm a date in which such a policy for those who have had both COVID vaccinations would come into force, but said he is very confident that it would enable people to travel. He did, however, warn that going abroad would not be completely hassle-free during this summer. And then he says, quote, I am very confident that the double jabs will be a liberator and they will enable people to travel. We'll be setting out a lot more about the detail of that in the course of July and in the course of the next few days about how we see it working. But there is no doubt at all that once you have got the two jabs, you are in a much better position. He added, but I want to repeat the point that I have made before. I hope people will forgive me if I say that obviously I want travel to be possible, but I've got to stress that this year will not be like every other year because of the difficulties with COVID. 
people shouldn't expect that it will be completely hassle-free. Uh, then those who go against that guidance must take two post-arrival tests from private companies on day two and day eight after arriving, which costs a lot of money, like 75 to 120 pounds per test. Mm. So you have to take two of them. Yeah. They are also required to self-isolate at home for 10 days, although they can reduce that time to if they take an additional negative test on day five. So then that's three tests. Are you listening to me? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. UK travelers arriving in Portugal will have to prove they have had two doses of a vaccine at least two weeks ago, or they have to isolate for 14 days. UK tourists are allowed into mainland Spain without a negative PCR test, despite the country remaining on Britain's amber list. So what's the bottom line? What's the bottom line of this whole commentary? The bottom let's get line. To the, let's get to the bottom line. The bottom here, line is that everyone has been holding out for this Freedom Day. For the liberty. Do you remember when the Freedom Day was supposed to happen? Is it your phone? It's just pressing on this cable here. What Do you remember? It was the 21st of June, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that was the initial date. So now the Freedom Day has moved to the 19th of July. Is that yes. correct? Yes, yes. But, but it's not I really the Freedom Day. You, they're gonna move it again. They're gonna just keep certain things in place. It's never going. They're not gonna be quick to give you quote give you back your rights mm. or to quote liberate you because right now you are not free. You know you are in jail. <laughs> you are mm. imprisoned by the government right now, and you will not be liberated unless you've gotten two vaccinations, and then you might be able to travel. I just find this preposterous. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, I stopped uh, putting any stock into what they say a long time ago. It's more about what they can do to you, right? Yeah. That's, so what can they do to you? Well, I guess it depends whether you are a big economic contributor to the country. Apparently, if you are a big economic contributor, you can do what you like. Yeah. If you're one of the Wimbledon crowd, you can attend Wimbledon without any social distancing. If you're part of the G6, you can attend barbecues with uh, hobnobbing and hugging. If um, if you are dignitaries that are visiting for the footy, then you can come. So we get it. So, without what, so what happens to us plebs? So the plebs have two options. They can just fly under the radar and just get on with life. And let's face it, if most people are live basically unperturbed, unnoticed lives um, and just crack on, or you can be an agitator and raise the alarm bells for yourself and get into trouble. So do you think that the ones who are trying to just live their lives, they're not going to be disturbed? You no, think I think gonna- I think there's a there's a big proportion. I would say double-digit percentage of people in the UK who are just getting on with their life. Mm-hmm. That's what I suspect. But they're, they're not, not paying tra- attention to this. But they're, they're not traveling. They can't. No, they're, they're not traveling. So the question is, what percentage of the British population travel? Is it a, is it a broadly middle-class affair or it, is it a large proportion of people? So you can only travel if you've got money. Basically. I think so. It's kind of like becoming like marriage. People only get married if they have money. So doesn't that seem really discriminating about travel? I mean, the fact that... It's racist. Is that what... <laughs> no, that's not what I was saying. Okay. But maybe maybe it is. Listen to this. Maybe only the white people are traveling. Only the rich white males can travel. I wonder. <laughs> I mean, does anyone take any of this stuff seriously? I think this is the thing. I think most people have become uh, apathetic to the whole commentary. You might think that, but the people that I see in my life, like in real life, yeah, who's that? have taken the jabs, they're compliant, they hope to travel. No, I know, but but even – so what, you're, what you've read all there – Makes it seem like even if you get the double jab, there's all these restrictions. That's true. So my prediction is that all the people who are compliant will continue to be compliant and, you know, conform to the rules. It just doesn't seem right. You know, people like Bev Turner, Beverly Turner, have, they've made the rounds they're talking about. When you've persuaded how- the people that this is a war for freedom. 
for freedom. Yes, yes. This is Who the, took it away to begin with? It doesn't matter. People have short memory. The people, the, the, the government propaganda has made this seem like World War II, the rerun, where we're all sticking together. We're all making sacrifices for each other. But do, and no price is high for the sake of the country. You see, they've, they've know, spun it to then, make it patriotic to make all these sacrifices. Sure, sure. But then people are mentioning and saying, Listen to this. To Edward up. Bowen gave us five pounds. Thank you, Edward Edward Brown, I mean. Thank you, Edward Brown. Much appreciated. Cool. Any question tied to that? Uh, let's see. He said, listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> I, so anyway, um, I was going to say something, and now you've interrupted me like three times, and now I don't remember it. But, oh, yes. Sorry, so not sorry. So I'm going to remind you, just like um, Jamie Franklin, Reverend Jamie Franklin from Reverend podcast and Beverly Turner and James Dellingpole remind you that there are people living in Florida in America today with no mask restriction restrictions, no social distancing. They are living completely normally for the last several months. And there has been no rise in cases. There has been no skyrocket in deaths. And yet and here we are doing, you know, still not back to normal and people living in fear. And and yet, I don't know, it's not, we're not doing, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I've lost I, it. I don't know. And I didn't even interrupt you. So you, so, only, you can only blame yourself. No, I know. <laughs> the point is, there's another part of the world where people are getting along normally. Masks are not required in grocery shopping stores, nothing. And yeah. The numbers of COVID deaths are not any different. Yeah. They're, it's not like they're dying massively. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. it's possible, yeah. just possible, that we would have fared the same exact way as we have fared now without lockdown. Unbelievable. Do you Unbelievable. think so? Unbelievable. Listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> this is in Southampton. Listen, what a comment. Listen to this. Mark Hooker, Celtic Crossbows, says, Whoa, so gorgeous, sexy, hot, and that's just Phil. (laughs) (laughs) I love sarcasm. He's been lifting. Anyway. So is the bottom line is that was that just a big win session for why we why British people haven't woken up to the reality that I this is also to sham bring that it this up is a sham because I don't think people are paying attention like you say they're yeah. not paying attention anymore no but I want people to hear it out of the horse's mouth but that this is this Boris is... Johnson is not going to give up all the mm. power that he's gained he's not going to just hand it back over on Freedom Day the question so you is, have to fight for it the question is. What percentage of the British population care about that fact? I don't know. Yeah. You see? That's where, don't you miss America sometimes? I think America is on the same trajectory. Yeah, that's true. It's on the same trajectory, just slightly behind. Yeah. Okay, so then my second story is also about the big C, not cancer. Talking about coronavirus here. Um, And this is, do you remember... Dr. Stella Emanuel from a year ago. Oh yes, the African doctor. I'm gonna play her original thing. Then we're gonna I'm gonna play her recent thing and then we'll talk about it. Yeah. Okay. So listen to this from over a year ago. Where did it go? Listen to this. Loading, it's loading. Oh, you're off. Malaria patients treated them with. But I like. I took you. care of malaria patients, treated them with hydroxychloroquine and stuff like that. So I'm actually used to these medications. I'm here because I have personally treated over 350 patients with COVID. Patients that have diabetes, patients that have high blood pressure, patients that have um, asthma. All people. I think my oldest patient is 92, 87 year olds. And the result has been the same. I put them on hydroxychloroquine, I put them on zinc, I put them on Zitromax, and they are all well. For the past few months, I've taken care of over 350 patients. We've not lost one. Not a diabetic, not a somebody with high blood pressure, not somebody with asthma, not an old person. We've not lost one patient. And on top of that, I've put myself, my staff, and many doctors that I know on hydroxychloroquine for prevention, because by the very mechanism of action, it works early and as a prophylaxis. We see patients, 10 to 15 COVID patients every day. 
We give them breathing treatments. We only wear surgical masks. None of us has gotten sick. It works. So right now, I, I came here to Washington, D.C. to say, America, nobody needs to die. The, 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 the study that made me start using hydroxychloroquine was a study that they did in, under the NIH in 2005 that say it works. Recently, I was doing some research about a patient that had hiccups, and I found out that they even did a recent study in the NIH, which is our national institute, um, that is the, the national, NIH, national Institute of, of Health. They actually had a study, and go look it up, type hiccups and COVID, you will see it. They treated a patient that had hiccups with hydroxychloroquine, and it proved that COVID is a symptom of, hydro of, of uh, hiccups, it's a symptom of, of COVID. So if the really? NIH knows that treating the patient with hydroxychloroquine proves that hiccup is a symptom of COVID, then they definitely know that hydroxychloroquine works. I'm upset. Why I'm upset is that I see people that cannot breathe. I see parents walk in. I okay, and I remember watching the rest of that. But So she's just really, really passionate about hydroxychloroquine at that point and just saying that it works what she was doing. And then it came out later on about how it actually does work. So after that, chronologically, everyone said that she was wrong. And all these doctors were like put on watch or like yeah. they were just totally I think silenced. Her, na her name was dragged through the mud too. Yeah, Stella Emanuel. Yeah. Now listen to this where she says, I demand an apology. I demand an apology from the media, I'm talking about CNN, CNBC, and all the like New York Times, and all those people that called me crazy from Hollywood. I mean, from people that sat around and made videos calling me crazy when I said hydroxychloroquine worked and we should not allow people to die. I'm talking about FDA, CDC, NIH. I'm talking about all of you, my colleagues, the ones that called me names, that threatened to report so me to the boards and all that stuff mm. because I said hydroxychloroquine works. Now you have all these studies that are saying it works. What about the 500,000 plus people that have died? Who is going to be responsible for them? Somebody needs to get their behind suit so bad that they will not find a way out of where they'll be locked up because this is crazy. Even Joe Biden called me crazy. I demand an apology from every single one of you because when I said the truth, none of you listened. You people laughed at us, you people ridiculed us, you canceled us, and you allowed people to die. Y'all are so, not just, you are evil, this is evil, this is wicked, and you know what? Somebody needs to be held accountable for this. Somebody better be. Okay, so what's the, what's okay. the bottom line so here? So the bottom line here is, um, so I just want to raise this awareness for our viewers and just I think people don't hear about these things because, they, okay. you know, I, I hear about these things through a friend or something. And then mm -hmm. I go and look it up and I'm like, oh, wow, like no one's mm -hmm. talking about this. So I just want to be a sounding board um, talking about how ivermectin has mm -hmm. been proven to work. It's What's the difference between ivermectin and hydrochloroquine? I think it's hydroxychloroquine. Similar. Yeah. It's similar. I, I don't okay. know, though. But um, there were two that have been put forward as that are um, cheap and effective. OK, so um, ivermectin has a great history as a medicine for parasites like worms, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then it talks about how it works. Ivermectin reduces mortality from COVID-19 by 83 percent. Used prophylactically, it reduces infection rates by 88%, and then there's a source. When comparing ivermectin to the experimental injections, those being falsely promoted as vaccines, because they aren't actually vaccines, we talked about this before, we see the following. Ivermectin is cheap, safe, effective, and suppressed. On the other hand, the experimental injections are expensive, dangerous, disappointing, and wrongly promoted above all reasonable treatments for COVID-19. Um, and then the bottom line here, it just says that why is it being suppressed or not promoted? And it just says that it's money. You know, um, it says, oh, where did I find the last bottom line here? Everybody was kung fu fighting. What are you doing? <laughs> no, 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 no. 
I don't know. I'll just read the last line here. It just says, all this makes one wonder how wicked are the culprits of this COVID enterprise that they violate our rights and destroy our society while pushing dangerous experimental injections on us and obstructing safe, affordable and effective treatments like ivermectin. And that's the main thing that really bothers me, just similar to what Dr. Emmanuel was saying is it's not about, okay, well, maybe, um, maybe, COVID vaccines work, maybe they're, we should experiment with them, but why suppress something that is affordable? Why hide it? I mean, it was so difficult, difficult to get your hands on hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, even though they've been around for many years, decades, mm-hmm. and are cheap. You know, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the thing that I feel like there is a moral problem here where people are not, um, the people should be held responsible for yeah. having suppressed this so okay so the bottom line is you're reporting that people are reporting that these two treatments have indisputably been proven to be effective yeah okay and therefore someone ought to answer for the fact that while they were being proposed back at the first uh, wave they were shut down and and shamed and just wiped out well, and so, so many, many people, people have, yeah. could have not died because of that. Many so what? People. What do and people? I just wonder what are you know what's but the is reason that, is behind the BB, that? Is the mainstream media um, uh, highlighting that narrative? It. They're not even talking about it. In fact, I found an FDA article that was um, published about. It says it doesn't even tell me. When Mark it was Hooker published. says I had my second jab four weeks ago. Since then, I've been lightheaded, dizzy, hot and cold flashes. Irregular bowel movements, um, hot flashes, um, cold flashes, um, sweaty, sweaty. Oh, what is this? Yeah, hair loss. Really? Diarrhea, farting. That's, that's too much. All I right. don't know if I believe that now. <laughs> Um, but the FDA said that why you should not use ivermectin to treat or prevent COVID-19. So they wrote a whole article, the FDA did, uh-huh, uh-huh. on why you shouldn't use it. And this was um, a couple months ago. So now uh, this was current as of March the 5th. So it's been, what, four four months since then? And mm. since, four, I mean, the the, mm. the research on ivermectin has come out more recently, about just a month yes. ago. Yes. And so overwhelmingly people are realizing that it works. And then therefore you ask, why were people talking smack about it yeah. and discouraging the use of it? Well, the answer is very simple, is that science is no longer about the objective pursuit of truth. Science is being used in the service of a political agenda. What's the political agenda in this instance? Well, you could say it's big pharma trying to make money off the vaccines. I don't even know if that's science because... Well, it is science. It's intertwined with science because the media are doing an exceptional job of promulgating the propaganda that is clearly scientifically proven that these vaccines are effective. But clearly we use science to then prove that it is effective, right? So the... So to use to use it that it wasn't to say that it wasn't effective. No, no, no. Sci- you don't understand. Science is being used mm-hmm. to ex- to to promote a political agenda. In this instance, it's a political agenda paid and paid and bought f- for by the pharmaceutical companies. They're perfectly okay with being inconsistent, contradictory, hypocritical. Mm. They have no scruples but about contradicting science themselves. Science is not supposed to be contradictory. It's not supposed to be. They don't care. All they care is about raw power. So you're just talking about use... them using the name of science, but like actual yes. science, they're not. Yeah, you can't use actual science for propaganda. All you can do is true science is the demonstration of a verifiable fact. Yeah, repeatable. That's all it is. That's all it is. Yeah. And so, but then you can take a scientific truth and you can utilize it. And or then you, you can, can suppress all scientific truths. Yeah. And, and just call and it science. It. Yeah. So so they're just they just weaponize the credibility that science brings to the table. I think for their scientists, maybe. And scientists themselves are doing yeah. it. Scientists themselves are like, getting caught 
I still like to believe that science itself is neutral. It's a tool. It's, you know, it's not. Science is not, it's more than neutral. It's a good thing. Yeah. Um, but, but it is um, ultimately a product of man's mind uh, to, to put two and two together and identify a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, man can choose to uh, claim something as scientific and sell it as scientific, but it isn't. Just yeah. like the fact that there are only two sexes, but science apparently says there isn't yeah so, so the, exactly yeah so the trust the science phraseology is just been propagandized entirely yeah 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 yeah, yeah. follow so the science it's the it's it's like we have a new vatican hmm. and a new magisterium Who's the pope the pope is uh, whoever Boris's scientific advisor is is it Soros and he decides uh, what is true and what isn't okay. and we plebs cannot question and we just obey mm-hmm. and, and and so we we are not to uh, interpret the scientific journals for ourselves because mm. they're written in a different language right. um we're we not can't even understand we them can't understand them because slowly. we're too dumb yep, yeah we're too dumb so um it's left to citizen journalists to piece all the facts together and create a reformation of science and uh, and media hopefully so yeah 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 so then um lastly about the ivermectin thing is the story about the um let me just read you the title it says india could sentence the who chief scientist to death for misleading over ivermectin and killing Indians. This was just written in June the 24th. The Indian Bar Association sued WHO chief scientist Dr. Sumaya Swaminathan on May the 25th, accusing her in a 71-point brief of causing the deaths of Indian citizens by misleading them about ivermectin. Mm. Point 56 states, quote, that your misleading tweet on May the 10th against the use of ivermectin had the effect of the state of Tamil Nadu withdrawing ivermectin from the protocol on May 11th, 2021, just a day after the Tamil Nadu government had indicated the same for the treatment of COVID-19 patients. If a trial in India finds WHO chief scientist Dr. Sumaya Swamithnathan guilty, then the WHO scientist could be sentenced to death or life in prison. Dr. S would have been char- would have would have be charged with the threatened criminal prosecution and be found guilty on one of the of those charges. Yes, they're saying our video has frozen. Oh, really? <coughs> the audio is still working, but the, the video has frozen. Let me take a look at the phone. Shall I go to my stories now? Um, I was just going to wrap it up, I think. Okay. I think what I was just going to do is read the ending of this article about the ivermectin. So as the Indian Bar Association has warned action under Section 302, et cetera, of the Indian Penal Code against Dr. Sumya and others for murder of each person dying due to obstruction in treatment of COVID-19 patient effectively by ivermectin. Punishment under Section 302 of the Indian Penal Code is death penalty or life imprisonment. This is the kind of um, justice I think that needs to come back and serve, be served. This is what I'm talking about. So yeah. when I was saying, just like um, Dr. Emanuela was saying that she deserves an apology. Yeah. She also asks, what you know, who's going to be responsible for the 500,000 people that died uh-huh. who didn't need to? Yeah. They're just going to be swept under the rug just like any other mask killing of people it's outrageous okay i'll move on now there you have it folks there's my um just i just totally went off today (laughs) (laughs) okay so let's switch here okay let's switch it's the switcheroo folks the tablet is coming home coming home to daddy (laughs) the tablet is in daddy's hands now all is well don't worry. Okay. The first story I'd like to cover, by the way, all my stories are being covered today as uh, part of um, the Daily Mail. The Daily Mail is a special contributor to this podcast by way, no, of, by way of comedy and, uh, and laughs and giggles. So here we go. 
The title of this article says, It Looks Like Ken Barlow. Talk radio DJ likens Diana statue to classic Corey character, while art critics don't hold back disdain for grumpy memorial-branded spiritless hunk of nonsense. Here's the article. A new statue of Princess Diana at Kensington Palace looks like Ken Barlow, a radio presenter has claimed. Talk radio DJ Kevin O'Sullivan, I wonder if he's Irish, compared the monument to the classic Coronation Street character on his show last night. His comments came as art critics panned the sculpture as an, quote, awkward, lifeless shrine and a spiritless hunk of nonsense in withering reviews. Some said creator Ian Rank Broadley, whenever you have a hyphenated last name, you know you're going to have trouble, <laughs> made her, quote, look grumpy and his work, quote, doesn't capture her magic. But one who admitted it was, quote, a little twee and far from perfect, welcomed the fact it looked like the late Princess of Wales. Princess William and Harry unveiled the statue to their mother yesterday afternoon in their public meeting since Prince Philip's funeral in April. The design was top secret and appears to be inspired by Diana's official 1993 Christmas card, her first scent without Prince Charles. But rather than depict her with her boys as she appeared in the card, she is posed with three children, two of whom are not wearing shoes. One of the boys in the statue appears to have short Afro-style hair. The palace said, quote, It represents the universality and generational impact of the princess's work. End quote. DJ Mr. O'Sullivan said the statue looks like Barlow during a phone, a phone-in with art critic Estelle Levant. She said, quote, it's a bland, lifeless, soulless sculpture. She looks like she's been doing press-ups and showing off her cleavage, end quote. <laughs> and the presenter simply replied, it looks like Ken Barlow. Meanwhile, meanwhile, today's newspapers were full of reviews of the statue. Many were also critical of how Diana is presented. Jonathan Jones, writing in The Guardian, was scathing of the design, branding it, quote, a nauseating, spiritless, and characterless hunk of nonsense. He said, it is a religious image that shamelessly plays up the most mawkish aspects of Diana worship. And he added, for the statue group's emotive symbolism is undermined by its aesthetic awfulness and i'll just stop there mm -hmm. so have you seen the statue no, i want to see a picture of it okay here you go that's supposed to be princess <laughs> diana it looks like i said in the comments it looks brutalist it looks like yeah. soviet era sculpture like she's a workers party heroine yeah um, bringing the children out of the factories or into the factories rather for hard work, hard labor and for the motherland. Yeah. Wow. That's what, what does it say? Oh, Diana, Princess of Wales. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my, my theme for my two stories was, uh, see, I try to connect the themes. Um, Mine were connected. Is, is um, statues. Okay. Statues. Mm -hmm. So the first one is the erection of a new statue, mm -hmm. which to me is a blight on yeah. that beautiful garden. Yeah. Um, and it is, yeah, it does look like she's got broad shoulders. Mm -hmm. Like a thick neck. And, and yeah, and showing off her cleavage. Really? Look, her open blouse, her open yeah. button blouse. Yeah, it's very low cut. Yeah, yeah. So it is, it, it is I think, uh, shambolic uh, and ham-handed. We got a, a a comment here that I had to show instead of hide. Have you ever seen those before? No. It was... Uh, oh, yes, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super Typist said, if there was no BLM, would all the children in Diana's statue be white? <laughs> That's a good question. It is That's a, good a question. very good question. Um, I won't address it, um, but it stands on its own. <laughs> so the other... So I think... The story, the, the story of the unveiling of the statue was was um, couched in the controversy between the two brothers. Okay. Couched in the dilemma of uh, two brothers at odds finding themselves having to come together and unveil a statue mm -hmm. to the memory of their mother. Yeah. Who um, is one is weaponizing for his own sort of media. Mm -hmm. Ambition, if you will. I wonder which one that. Can one you is. guess which one that is? 
<laughs> and the other one is just respectfully trying to move on and build his legacy as a future monarch. Okay. So um, it was uh, there was lo- lots of commentary about how they appeared, body language specialists. I always wonder about these body language specialists. I wish I had training in I body know. language. It's fun. Um, ev- uh, analysis. They said that William kept his hands steady below the waist um, and unmoving, giving the aspect of control, stature, and and authority. Mm-hmm. Whilst Prince Harry was very active with his hands, keeping them above his waist and acting very jovial, hiding what is otherwise a very tense jaw and uh, internal state of being. Mm. So... I don't know if any of this is just pseudoscience or, you know. I think there's some truth to that. Just like you say physiognomy or whatever. Physiognomy is real. Is real. Is real. Physiognomy is real. So um, I was pretty interested in that analysis. Um, But anyway, on one side of the Atlantic, statues are, grotesque statues are going up. Wait, before we move away from that. So... Um, super typist, we we liked your question. Uh, we're not going to address it just because we'll probably be shut down <laughs> if we address your question. But Julie Peters also asks a funny question. If there had been no Megan, would one of the kids have been black? Right, right. So my next story is... The, the first story was about a, a grotesque statue going up. The second story is about uh, lovely statues coming down. In um in British in in Canada oh Canada oh, oh Canada. Canada no but I'm not saying that for for patriotic I'm saying My oh Canada why are you doing land. this so here we go that again this article is brought to you by the Daily Mail Boris slams Canadian anti-colonial protesters who raged tear this bee down as they toppled statues of the Queen. Which one? Our, the current queen oh. and Queen Victoria. Oh. And through one of Captain Cook in a harbor amid anger at deaths of nearly 1,000 indigenous children found in mass graves of Catholic churches. I added the Catholic churches part because it's not in the title, but that is the truth. So here we go. Here's the article. Boris Johnson today decried the violent mob who celebrated Tearing this bee down as they toppled and desecrated statues of Britain's Queen Victoria and Queen Elizabeth II during Canada Day protests. So this is not just any day. This is Canada Day. Protests sparked by the discovery of mass graves of indigenous school children. Once again, the Daily Mail does not or neglects to include in the leading paragraph that this was in Catholic churchyards. So thus, what I want to highlight is the stupidity of toppling statues of the head heads of the Church of England for crimes perpetrated by the Catholics. So let's continue. In scenes reminiscent of the BLM protests where a hit list of racist statues in the U.S. and U.K. was drawn up for destruction after the murder of George Floyd, the bronze sculptures of Britain's current monarch and her great-grandmother in Winnipeg were hauled down, daubed with red paint, and even appeared to have been strangled with Mohawk flags. With no police to be seen anywhere, protesters in orange, led by members of the left-wing anti-colonial Idle No More, group campaigning for Canada Day to be cancelled, tied ropes to the necks of the statues and ripped them to the ground to chants of no to genocide and bring her down amid fury over the deaths of 1,000 indigenous children found buried in mass graves this month. Again, no mention that these were in Catholic churchyards. Sharing footage of Victoria's statue coming down, self-styled land defender Wabishka Maingang Nakshig tweeted, I helped tear the bee down. 1,500 miles west, a statue of Captain Cook, the first Briton to land in British Columbia, was also pulled down in the city of Victoria before being hurled into the harbor in scenes reminiscent of the destruction of the Edward Colston statue in Bristol last year. Cook's statue was replaced by a red wooden dress, a color and symbol for indigenous people in Canada, with the plinth vandalized with colonizer. 
Between the 18th century and the 1970s, 150,000 indigenous Canadian children were forced to convert to Christianity and not allowed to speak their native languages after being sent to Catholic schools. Many were beaten and verbally abused, and up to 6,000 are said to have died. But the policy of the Canadian government appears to have little to do with the British royal family, who are ceremonial heads of state. 350 Native American boarding schools were also established in the United States during the early 19th and mid-20th centuries to civilize Native American children into Euro-American culture. Yesterday's protests in Canada raised the prospect of them spreading to the U.S. and similar investigations into mass graves after, there after claims of neglect, abuse, and death. Downing Street has today condemned the toppling of the statues of the Queen and Queen Victoria in Canada during protests over the, the, the discovery of unmarked graves belonging to Indigenous children. Boris Johnson's spokesman said, We obviously condemn any defacing of statues of the Queen, adding, Our thoughts are with Canada's Indigenous community following these tragic discoveries, and we follow these issues closely and continue to engage with the Government of Canada with Indigenous matters. Tory MP Alexander Stafford branded the vandalism incredibly disrespectful and said it was an odd juxtaposition, trying to blame the monarchy for the tragedy over which it had no political control. Frankly, I think it is people trying to link and use the awfulness of the tragedy that has been uncovered for their own politician, for their own political Republican views. I don't think the two should be linked, he told Mail Online, adding, it's up to Canada, their debate about the Commonwealth and our current monarch, but they shouldn't try to rewrite history and force their own political views about a constitutional matter on what was clearly a horrific issue that happened in the past. He also volunteered to take the statues and have them erected in his Rother Valley constituency in South Yorkshire, saying, we haven't got a statue of any of the monarchs. I'll definitely take them. So rather than destroy them, send them my way. (laughs) There you have it. And so, um, as I said, on one side of the Atlantic, you have a grotesque statue being erected. On On the other, a couple of lovely statues to noble figures being desecrated and destroyed mm. and I, I just point out the the absolute absurdity it's it's, a, it's, a, it's like a bad comedy the absurdity of blaming two monarchs heads of the church of england the protestant church of england for crimes committed under the watch of the roman catholic church in indigenous areas that are self-governing they these happened in um reservations if you will so anyway as the commentary alluded to it's obviously uh weaponization let no crisis go uh unutilized Mm. as it were and they're trying to utilize this crisis to continue this march of of self-immolation and self-destruction and suicide of the west these are the dregs of western civilization children of children of children who fought, bled, and died on various fields to destroy Nazism, to destroy communism. And here they are with nothing better to do. They're despicable, disgusting creatures. Nothing better to do than to piss on the memories of great figures. Nothing to build, nothing to offer the world except destruction and nihilism. So yeah, these they, people are like professional protesters. Professional destroyers. That's rioters. All they are. Professional rioters, professional destroyers. And I wish that the law would come down massively hard on them. They need to be made an example of. It's not going to um, happen in Canada. But somewhere, Canada been, somehow. Canada they, is like worse than Australia at this point in terms I don't of know. I very don't little know. freedom there. But um, I would gladly have swapped the Diana statue for a Queen Victoria or a Queen Elizabeth II mm. statue. Or just a better Diana statue. I, just, I don't want, it's not like I don't want a statue of Diana. I just think the way they did it was really ugly and brutalistic. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, that's what you have for me. What's the comment feed like? What are they saying? What the? Um, so, uh, Super Typhus. So, An- Anthony Sansom said that the graves could have been found because people could have died from serious disease. So, oh, and that's the other, yeah, it's another point, yeah. is that they could have been legitimate deaths from, um, who knows, maybe the yeah, Spanish and maybe, flu. and maybe the Catholics were being very gracious in burying them. Instead in their, of burning them or yeah. something. So there's that as well. Yeah. Um, but yes, professional victims, 
Mm. And people saying that, yeah, Canada seems to hate Christians at this point. Yes, with the rest of various pastors and ministers. We are headed for an incredible time where uh, John MacArthur was saying this. I don't know if any of you guys know John MacArthur, but he's saying this is the most invigorated he has ever felt in his ministry because he feels like this is going to separate the fat from the, you know, from the bone. This is mm. going to be who are the, the remnant. Wheat and the chaff. Who are the remnant that are left standing mm. and staying true uh, to the Lord and, and Savior. Yeah. And so he's saying, you know, he's he's never been so active. He, he feels young. He feels like, you know, it's like mm. persecution bring, tends to bring out the best in the best and the worst in the worst. Mm-hmm. So uh, may the blood of the martyrs continue to nurture the soil of that great tree of the church, and we shall see how it goes. Yeah. That's it for me. Um, shall we end the podcast yeah. and then continue on with our AMA? Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. We really appreciate the attention that you give us. We know that it's not cheap. We know that it's not free. And uh, you could be doing other things. So we appreciate the time you've taken to listen to our uh, musings on current events. Do catch us. It's every week. Uh, we do it live on YouTube at Friday, Friday nights, 9-ish p.m. London time. Greenwich Mean, I think it's plus one. I can't remember. Sometimes BST. British BST summertime. zero, yes. BST is plus one. BST but, um, is Greenwich plus one then. But... We are on the Postponed Family channel currently uh, every Fridays. Yes, that's on the the main channel for the comedy reactions. We go live on that channel for the podcast. And then the old recordings get uploaded into a dedicated podcast channel called Called Postmod Pod. Postmod Pod. And then you can find the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and our website. And let us just plug our other endeavors. You can find me on the band of bros so if you search on youtube band of bros and filter it by channel it should be the second or third hit we have about 71 subscribers get on over there post we'll leave fam, a link in the and and get over there and subscribe we also have the postmodern mum channel which has is nearing a thousand subscribers it's over a thousand it? now it's over a thousand let now. me know what you guys want to see because i haven't been doing very many videos there. <laughs> and there you have it. And you can always buy our merchandise, buy our music, support us. We're here. And go to a Patreon as well. We have and Patreon. Patreon. Yeah. Uh, and then you can email us at the family at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. Um, anything else? Take care, y'all. See you Thanks later. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.